Have you suffered from hair loss? Have I got the product for you, bald butter? This new hair butter, used just like shampoo, can help you lose your hair much faster so you can avoid having those embarrassing balding spots. Bald butter. G'day community and welcome to uh, Tradio. I'm Lechdog and I'm joined as always by the best in the West, Damo. Damo, how are you, you beautiful son of a gun? I'm good, Lech. We've got a bit to uh, talk about today. We do, we do. We waited a couple of days to go for episode two. We wanted some content to talk about and geez, they've delivered today, haven't they, Damo? Plenty to go through. Questions from listeners and the thing that's hot on everybody's lips how did Adam Cooney do on his 18 club mega trade? I'm still not quite sure how he did. I'm. It, it feels like there's some parts missing. It feels like one team has given up a future th- first and got back a future third somehow. And you just don't, it's just, yeah. It's, should, we, should we go through it? We should. And I did, I mean, I said that Adam Cooney made this. They actually haven't credited this one to him. So it could have been anyone, but he's normally the, the doer of the mega trades demo. How are we going to go through this? Are we going to go from top to bottom? Because it's 18 clubs, it's 30 for 18 assets, right? Changing hands. Yeah. Um, and one of these trades has actually happened today. Yeah, right. Has it? Okay. I'm excited. Well, let's let's go top to bottom. You read through it, Damo, and, um, and we'll save our thoughts for the end. Okay. So Adelaide get Jordan Dawson and they give up a future first. Brisbane give up a sorry, Brisbane get a future third and give up pick 51. Carlton get Adam Chera and give up a future first. Collingwood get Pat Lipinski and give up Max Lynch. Essendon get Carlton's future first and pick eleven. And give up pick eleven. I'm already stumbling here because it's too much. It's a nightmare. The Dockers get Adelaide's future first and give up Adam Chera. Geelong get match, uh, Max Lynch and give up pick 52. Gold Coast get pick 38 and North Melbourne's future third and give up a future second. GWS give up pick 52. Sorry, get pick 52 and give up Jeremy Finlayson. Hawks get... Gold Coast's future second and give up pick 21. That one baffles me already. <laughs> There's, I've got a lot of question marks. Um, Melbourne get Port Adelaide's future third and give up pick 54. North Melbourne get Callum Coleman-Jones and give up pick 38 and a future third. Port Adelaide get Jeremy Finlayson and give up a future third, which is basically what they did today. Richmond get pick 21 and give up Callum Coleman-Jones. Good luck to him. St. Kilda get Jared Brander and give up a future third. Sydney get pick 11 and give up Jordan Dawson. West Coast get pick 54 and give up Jared Brander. And the Dogs get pick 51 and give up Pat Lipinski. That is... 
I stumbled all the way through that. I hope people got that. Well, let's, I mean, we'll put a picture of it in the, uh, on the webpage for this. Look, I said this to you earlier. They've gone, we need to get pick 11 to Sydney for Jordan Dawson. And they've worked backwards from there into this nightmare hellscape. Jordan, I mean, getting Jordan Dawson for, uh, for pick 11 is good. It's good. I mean, you'd take that and he's probably worth that. He's a very good player. But from, from there on out, it doesn't make sense. With the one exception of the Jeremy Finlayson for a future third, because that did happen. We will talk about that. But like, what, what's happening here? Why would, why, why would Essendon g- give up pick 11 for Carlton's future first? Carlton has to be finishing in the top, in the bottom... Six for that to be value? I can't. My brain doesn't work out, Damo. I think there's lots here that doesn't really work out. Why would Hawthorne give up pick 21 for a future pick when they're looking to move up the trade order this this year? Why would anyone give up anything for Jared Brander? These are all questions that we don't have answers to, Damo. I mean, hey, kudos to them trying. The issue was they they stuck, tried to stick to one asset each uh, in this deal where... To get it across the line, you're going to need to include multiple assets. I'd trade Max Lynch for Pat Lipinski any day. Collingwood winner there. Adam Cho for a future first. Bang, I'll take that as a Blues fan. Jordan Dawson for a future first. I'd take that if I was Sydney, uh, if I was Adelaide. Yeah, no, this is a mess, Damo. And then there's Brisbane getting a future third for pick 51. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Look, at this point, Damo, none of this matters. It's a nightmare, but they've done it, and it's out there for everyone to judge. Judge below. The comments are certainly uh, certainly let people know how it's being received. Let's talk some real trades, Damo. What happened today? Uh, let's actually start with yesterday. All right, then. Because we missed a trade yesterday that went through. It was the only trade that went through yesterday. Nathan Kruger has been traded to Collingwood uh, for a pick in the 50s. I believe it was pick. I can tell you. It, the Magpies have handed over pick 41 for Kruger and pick 55 came back. There we go. So Nathan Kruger and pick 55 for pick 41. There is some super coach value here. I was about to ask you, Damo. So for those playing at home, he is a... Well, he's a key position forward, but the Pies played him in key position defense for two games this year, I believe. Um, did I just say that the Pies did? The Cats played him. Yeah, so, and he scored a 48 and a 54, I believe, in those two games. And he should be priced under 200K. So he won't be a, bar- a bargain basement price, but he will be one of those rookies that if we're strapped and there's no other rookies that we might be someone that we have to make room for if he's going to play from the get-go. This reminds me very much of another Collingwood player from a few years back that uh, was a serviceable rookie, played all year, never was a cash generator, but for break glass in case of emergency play. Nathan Brown, many years ago when he went to the Pies, was bargain basement. He scored like, you know, 60-odd for the season, but did provide some, some bench depth there for people who needed it. So... Kruger, 22 years old. He'll uh, still be 22, I think, when the season starts next year. Average 52 across those two games. Look, there's a chance that he has some super coach relevancy. Never going to be a huge scorer, but 
hey, Domo, we've really struggled for rookies, particularly in the forward line this year. Actually, will he be forward eligible is my question. Well, he played defense in the games that Geelong played him this year, but he has been a forward in the VFL, and I don't know if he was moved back after that point. So maybe he's dual position. I hope so. In in uh, champion data on AFL Stats Pro, have him listed as a key position defender, but he has been a forward his whole life. Uh, a potential little rookie option there. And I remember there were some murmurings that he could be a pinch hitter in the ruck, but that's I think, just comes with being kind of tall. Zero hitouts in <laughs> 2021. Do we have any more relevance for Kruger? He doesn't really impact anyone at Geelong. He's coming out of that Geelong system. I don't think... They were planning on playing him too much, so I don't think anyone gets a boost from that either. No, and I don't think it really makes a difference to Collingwood either. I think they were missing someone like him. It probably puts Jordan Degoe into their midfield permanently, to be honest. Which can only be a good thing. You saw the back end of his year last year, played behind a ball a lot, was able to get forward and still kick goals. He, uh, He was a bit of everything in the second half of last year, and I think will be a popular selection in 2022. Damo, what else happened? That was yesterday. Today, we saw a few things, a few dominoes fall. Well, we talked about Jeremy Finlayson in the mega trade. That that one actually came true. Jeremy Finlayson has been traded to Port Adelaide in exchange for Port Adelaide's future round three selection. Right, right. So... A and he's relatively young, Finlayson. He's twenty-five, I believe. He's going back. He's just had a baby. He missed most of the second half of the season because his partner had a baby. Um, I think he's going to be home with his family. I think JWS are happy to get off the salary and happy to help him out and getting him home for a pretty modest return. But Damo Finlayson, what what is he? Can you tell the people at home what sort of player he is? Who who does he play like? I've invented a position here. He's a Westoff. He, he he doesn't play in a position. He's a Westoff. So Port Adelaide clearly missed Justin Westoff this year. And I think they're hoping Jeremy Finlayson can provide that same value for them in 2022 because he can play forward, back, wing, and in the ruck exactly as Justin Westoff could. So I think Westoff is the best uh, is the best description here. And in terms of super coach, I think he's probably a forward eligible player, but you're right. He is a bit of a, he's a bit West Hoffian in, in the way he goes about it. I actually really like this for Port, particularly for what they gave up because Charlie Dixon, he's getting on. I think he's 31 or 32 now. They've got a kind of a gap between that, that next tall. Like it's, it's, it's Dixon who's 700 years old and it's George Artis who's four and Todd Marshall floats around and there's a few others in there. So I quite like this from Finlayson and if they can uh, sort out his consistency, I think he could be a, a, a solid contributor for them. I'm not sure if this affects Supercoach at all. Is Even Supercoach draft, is anyone going to be looking at Finlayson or any other tall forwards from Port? It's going to come down to how they use him to, and I don't think it's going to be something that happens on a regular basis how they use him. I think there will be some games where he stretches defences and I think there'll be some some games where he plays as the extra man in defence and some some games where he's a winger that might get the ball maybe 20 times. Who, who knows? I think Port Adelaide want to use him exactly how they use Justin Westhoff. And I know Justin Westhoff 
was a super coach stud for a couple of years, but once he started getting moved around and didn't have a set position, he stopped becoming that super coach relevant player. Yeah, and looking at Jeremy Finlayson's numbers, he, they don't quite stack up with Westhoff. As you said, he was a special, special player. Um, year one, one game for 19 points. Year two, 14 for 70. Year three, 19 for 82. That's his highest return as a super coach prospect. 2020 for 65 and 2021 for 68. I think the most he does in terms of super coaches maybe impact if you've got a keeper league or whatever and you've got a a Todd Marshall or a Georgiatis or something, maybe they miss out on a few games to make room for him. Not 100% sure how it stacks up, but really, really like it for Port Adelaide. I think he signed a three or four year deal, didn't he, Damo? I believe it was something along those lines, yeah. Hmm. I like it. There's no talk about how much money he's on, but I think the reason he went so cheaply is because Port Adelaide were happy to pay his entire salary. Yeah, and GWS are always, you know, like the other expansion clubs, we'll touch on it later, seem to be, well, like a lot of clubs after COVID and the cap and all that, they just still don't know exactly what the cap is. A few people struggling. So it's always, you're always happy to get off a bit of money, don't you? Yeah, for sure. And you see it with some clubs. Uh, Port Adelaide's even trying the same thing with Pete, with Pete, Peter Adams. So yeah, we'll see well, how that goes. <laughs> they're doing it in a very different way. They're happy to take on Finlayson but, uh, for nothing, but uh, sending someone out for nothing, they seem to play it differently. We'll talk about that if and when it happens. There was a pick swap, which may have some ramifications for other deals involving four clubs, Melbourne, Western Bulldogs, Adelaide, and St. Kilda. Uh, Melbourne managed to get themselves back into the first round. We'll, really, we'll touch on that in just a moment. Uh, they've got in pick 17, 37, and 49. Uh, Western Bulldogs have got 23, 44, and 45. That gives them draft points for Sam Darcy. Um, Adelaide have got Melbourne's future first, 33 and 75. And St. Kilda... St. Kilda really was sort of the glue in to make this whole deal work because they've got in some late picks, 62, 66, and Adelaide's future fourth. So St. Kilda probably fairly irrelevant, but they did want some more picks in this year's draft, so they've got that now. And um, we'll touch on Adelaide. Their deal with for Jordan Dawson now becomes difficult, I, I think. I disagree. Well, we're going to disagree on this. I think it comes very simple for them. You either take Melbourne's uh, future first, Sydney, or we're just going to take him for free, is what I would be saying is Adelaide. Um, Rumours yesterday that there was a like 23 in a swap or something was rejected by Sydney. I think Jordan Dawson's one of the best, if not the best available player in this period. I He's one of my favourite players in the AFL. I'll happily admit that. But I think Adelaide... They're never get, we're never going to give up pick four for him. Their next offer was 23 in swaps. They pushed that out, so they can't offer that anymore. They've now got, what? let's say let's say that uh, Melbourne wins the flag demo. What's that, pick 18? It's kind of like, this is the offer, Sydney. Let's forget that Jordan Dawson is uncontracted. Okay. Let's say he's contracted... Sydney, uh, happy to trade him. He's requested a trade. What would you expect him to be traded for if he was contracted? I think 
Uh, well, I think the mega trade had it reasonably spot on. If you if we're talking picks and not players, because I miss the I miss the days of players for players demo. It's just picks for players. No, everyone's a coward these days. Anyway, anyway, we don't need to get into that. I'd say about pick ten, pick eleven. I really, really like him. I really, really like him. So you so you think that because he's out of contract, pick eighteen, let's call it, is probably about right considering what that Adelaide can take can walk him to the preseason draft yeah I think so I think okay. I think if you're getting a first round back for a player that you don't doesn't legally work for you anymore um I think that's a good return if we look at his season numbers by the way and and he was I think fantasy Freako tweeted it out in the second half after the buys he was the seventh ranked player in the AFL by their measurement I mean just look at his season he was elite for uh, rating points, elite for fantasy points, elite in super coach, elite for one percenters, disposals, kicks, inside 50s, effective kicks, meters gained, effective disposals, marks, pressure acts, spoils, contested possession, you name it, he was a leader. Like, he's a brilliant, brilliant player, um, but unfortunately refused to sign a contract and the AFL has no proper restricted free agency rules in place. All right. Um, so... We'll talk more about that when it actually happens. Let's talk about Melbourne. They've managed to get oh, back. Sorry, I, th- I thought you're right. It hasn't even happened. Apologies. Apologies, Damo. I went off on a rant. Melbourne have managed to get back into the first round three years in a row. So you're saying three years in a row they've traded out and then traded back into the first? So in 2019, they traded 26, 50, and a future first to North Melbourne for pick eight. In 2020, they traded 25, 68, and 69 in a future first to Brisbane for picks 18, 19, and a future second. In 2021, they've traded 33, 45, and a future first for 17, 37, and 49. Yep, so they've essentially traded out 33 and 45, taken a slight hit for 37 and 49, and then traded out let's say, best worst case scenario, 18 for 17. So that it effectively just flipped their picks. Um, I'll, I, I mean, it's solid. What are they trying to do with this pick 17? Do we know, Damo? Do they want to go to the draft and keep bolstering with young players or is this a move to trade? Jason Taylor and Tim Lamb are very good at the draft. They know who they want and they go and get them. So I think they've got someone in their heads that they want. I don't know who that would be, but... I think they've got an idea of who they think they need. Their team seemed pretty complete when they won the grand final. Yes, yes, it did. Well, let, I mean, let's look at who they've traded for in those years. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that the 2019 trade, is that the trade where they picked up Jackson, Luke Jackson, in the uh, draft? Um, no, that was pick three that they took Luke Jackson. Keziah Pickett, I believe, was the pick. So that was the 12th pick, which would have been pushed out by Compo and various uh, nonsense that the AFL does. So they targeted Keziah Pickett. Um, then 2020, they traded in... And picked up Jake Bowie and Bailey Laurie. Jeez, they got exactly who they wanted, didn't they? Yeah. And- and Bowie, we know, played like seven games in a row this year, including a premiership win. Yep, and he looked very good too. So I, they definitely have their eyes on players and go and deliberately select them. Yeah, so they know what they're doing. It's, yeah, I, look, I think, 
I understand that St Kilda needed picks to potentially bid on some NGAs and match bids and stuff and maybe having two picks is better than one and a future asset, whatever, does still feel a little bit like charity and being mates to me. But that's the giant mega real-life trade swap that happened today, Damo. Has anything else gone on? I think I'm going to make you angry, Lick. <laughs> not, and it's not going to be my fault. Okay. Luke Dunstan has gone to Melbourne as a delisted free agent. Not a delisted free agent, sorry. Yeah, as an delisted, unrestricted free agent? As unrestricted free agent. It's posted here as a delisted free agent, but he's actually an unrestricted free agent. So what's been written here is wrong. Because he wasn't, because he has been delisted, but technically that delisting hasn't gone through yet. So he's currently still an unrestricted free agent. Yes, which means the Saints can still get compensation for him departing, even though they had agreed to part ways. Yes, well, <laughs> is I think that that will play in to the decision of the AFL. The fact that he has been had been delisted and told literally, you're we're not even going to pretend we want to keep you. You're out. Uh, but I think it's a two-year deal, right? Two-year deal. In my opinion, if the Saints get any more than pick 92, then they've gotten too much. <laughs> no, 100%. I'm with you, Damon. I don't think it warrants any sort of compensation. I kind of hope he took two years just to spite St. Kilda for treating him badly, knowing that there's an extension on the way as well. Luke Dunstan to Melbourne. I like it. A lot of people on Twitter seem to not like it, but... Uh, He's a good football player. I don't think it's so much that they don't like it. I think they they don't know where he fits and they think it's a nothing signing for Melbourne. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you sign a guy that has 11 Brownlow votes, which is subjective, I know. 25 disposals a game and six clearances and five tackles in his 12 games this year. That sounds like a good player to me. And I, I compared him to, on Twitter, I was talking to some people and he's had an identical created James Harms to date, like literally identical. And then you look at his numbers from this year and he, yeah, averaged 25.3 touches, was elite for kicks. His disposal's kind of not clean, but everyone reckons that'll get cleaned up by Choco. Choco Williams, his clearances are elite. Six clearances a game. Pressure acts elite. Tackles almost elite. Like, I love this man. And I didn't used to love him, but I started watching him when the Blues, and I was convinced the Blues were going to sign him as a free agent. And I fell in love and... I mean, I, he's playing. He's They're not bringing him in to not play in that team. They've already said they expect him to get even better in their setup. He's going to play. And I know people f- fell in love with these two blokes when they forced their way into the team, but it feels like he probably takes the spot that Tom Sparrow and, and James Jordan probably rotated between uh, during the, this season. I, look, yeah, I think so as well. I think um, you're... You, they were the reigning premiers. They've already said they want to defend their title next year in front of crowds. You don't go and grab a guy that averaged 25 disposals a game in 2021 across 12 games. Average 25. People, I know you talk about 25 disposals. When you actually look at the numbers, not many people do that. You can clean up his kicking in a better outfit. He's going to be more effective with the kick. They're not bringing him in to play reserves footy, I don't think. And I mean, I could be wrong. In super coach terms, um, can't remember what he averaged this year. It was around 90 by the end. For, for a minute there, he was averaging about 110, but dropped as the season went on. I think he had a 63 in his final game as well. But does he affect... Let's assume he's playing, Damo. 
is he Supercoach relevant slash does he affect anyone? And he ended up averaging 92 this year. Even before he came in, I wasn't sure if I was going to start Clayton Oliver or Christian Petrarca at all next next year. I wanted to sort of see how they go in the early stages. And I know they were, had amazing years. Petrarca, obviously the Norm Smith medalist, but I feel like, and it, it, and it felt like it a long way out, that Melbourne were going to try and add another mover to that midfield. And now that Luke Dunstan is there, I think it does affect them a little bit, to be honest. And that doesn't mean they're not going to be good super coach players. It just means it's probably going to balance out a bit, a little bit like um, a little bit what happened at uh, Brisbane with uh, with Lockie Neal and Jared Lyons and all that. Even though it's quite a nice average that is there, it, they're still not players that you sort of elevate into your team as quickly now. Yeah, look, it, they they go from 100% locks to 90% locks and we need to see what it looks like in the preseason and how they structure up and if it affects them, it probably doesn't. I don't know, James Harms doesn't really affect them. When he turns up, they're still turning up. I see them, Dunstan and him as the same player, so we'll see how that goes. He's across his career, he's averaged 74, 70, 72, 88, 80, and then 2019 across 18 games, average 93, 92 last year from a single game and 92 again this year. So we know what he produces and it's between, you know, 80 and 90 points a game. And I think those other guys are still, you know, pretty close to locks. What does it do? Does it do anything though? Let's look at the inverse for St. Kilda. He yep. did play in these last 12 games. Who does it open us up to? Is is a guy like Jade Gresham coming back and playing midfield or does it make Jack Steele more attractive? What are we thinking here, Damo? The obvious one is Jade Gresham just because he, he wasn't playing and they clearly missed him. Oh, 100%. And I'm not sure what his price is going to be, but he'll be an interesting one to watch, particularly, particularly if he gets a forward eligibility. That would be very enticing. Yeah, I don't think much else changes... At the Saints, to be completely honest, Dunstan didn't play a lot of games this season, so I feel like it's more going to open up opportunities for Jade Gresham when he returns, rather than giving someone else um, an, a, a bigger role. Yeah, Jack Billings missed a little bit towards the end of the season. Brad Crouch maybe gets a slight, slight bump. Um, Seb Ross signed an extension, so some Saint fan might have seen him out of the team. Maybe he comes back into the team, but I think I think. I think the hole will be filled by uh, by Jade Gresham, who comes back in that team, and I'm very excited to see him. I don't know how long he's out for, Damo, but he's someone I'm excited to watch. And I think we'll finish it there. <laughs> I don't know enough about the Saints to talk about them in any le- at, at any great length, but um, a team I do know how to talk about at a great length is the Dockers. It sounds like they've got a deal. It's I think it's going to go through pretty quickly, maybe even tomorrow morning. Um, Cal Toomey had reported that Gold Coast and Fremantle nearing a deal that will see Will Brodie and pick 19 sent to the Dockers. Um, I imagine the Dockers wouldn't be sending much more than a future third or maybe even a pick that comes to them in the Chera deal for this guy. I I mean, Demo, the reason we're bringing this up before it happens is because I'm, I'm excited. I'm so excited for a true AFL salary dump. And for those 
who still aren't quite sure what a salary dump is because there are people out there. It's when one team has a player they see as a negative asset because of the amount of money they're being played, paid and they tie uh, an asset to that player like a first-round pick. They trade them both for less of a return coming back. It's a way to clear your books, pay someone to take on the negative asset and the person taking on the player, A, hopes they can turn around and B, absorbs the salary and C, gets a little tidy first-round pick demo. I love this for you. I absolutely love this for you. As as we're recording this, Will Brady's just been named the VFL Player of the Year. How excited are you to watch him come over and add WAFL Player of the Year to his trophy cabinet? I don't think he does that. I think he steps into the role that Adam Chera leaves behind, to be completely honest. You didn't bite on my little uh, my little joke there, but it's good. It's a very good joke, and I will tweet it out later. Damo, does he step into the Adam Chera role? I think so. Almost well, same height, a couple of years older. Is uh, is he a WA boy, or are they just the only club that's interested in him? He's from Victoria, but he was a Frio supporter. Oh, in his, really? In his draft year. Well, uh, what's his strengths? Because I don't know much about him as a player, other than the Blues have been linked to him every single year for the last five years. And do you know? Player. Do you want to know why the Blues have been linked to him every year? And tell me. The media harps on about the Blues needing another big body to help <laughs> Patrick Cripps bollock through the packs, and that's exactly what Will Brody will bring to the Dockers: a big body who can protect Nat Fife and David Mundy in their older years. I mean, he's 189 centimeters, so he's a big kid, 23 years old, very, uh, very young. Here's his numbers as an AFL player. He's never really had a, a long crack at it. 2017, he played three games for an average of 43. 2018, eight games for 68. 2019, eight games for 80. That was his high watermark. Last year, just one game for 36 points. And this year, four games for 54 points. In that season, 2019, he did have a couple of games where he tunned up in Supercoach. So he had a 29 disposal game against the Kangaroos, scored 120, uh, including nine tackles. And against the Blues, and maybe this is why everyone's we, we go after everyone who's been played well against us, which is maybe why his name's come up. 26 disposals and 10 tackles for 110 points. That was in 2019. So loves a, loves a cuddle, Damo. Definitely does. And the Dockers do need some good tackling players because almost non-existent last season. Do we know what his VFL numbers are? Have I brought that up for fear of not having an answer live on air? So he won VFL Player of the Year. Uh, first three games, he kicked three goals and averaged 34 disposals. And then he collected 42 disposals in round three and averaged 31.7 disposals and six tackles per game for the year. They're pretty good VFL numbers. And averaged like... A hundred and like a hundred and five AFL fantasy points in that time as well, which you extrapolate out the Supercoach is probably closer to like a hundred and ten. Not saying that that's what he's going to do in Supercoach, but but it's an interesting one. Priced at three hundred k to finish the year demo and averaged fifty, he might even be cheaper than that. Yeah, I think um, because he hasn't played many games, he could be be someone that people really can consider as a potential three hundred k option for their midfield um but 
they're going to want to see his preseason numbers and how he fits into the Dockers' structure. Well, this is something in terms of super coaches, a philosophy that I, I always struggle with because I get ideas of players in my head and I don't probably assess them fairly. It happened with Jack Siebel this year. We've talked about it. I have this idea of Will Brody in my head that he's going to be a terrible super coach option. But if it looks like they're playing him in the best 22 and there is a role for him, as has been highlighted with the eventual trade of Adam Chera or assumed eventual trade of Adam Chera, void of significance equals points historically. So there is something to look at here, but we can get into that probably when we dissect Frio in a couple of months' time. Absolutely. What deal do you think is going to take the longest to go through, Lek? Well, I was very confident in the uh, the Adam Chero deal getting done early with the Blues. That's going to be, I reckon, the second longest one because I think some parts are hinging on other trades. So I'm going to say Jordan Dawson. I'm going to say Jordan Dawson to the Crows. Obviously, I'm a bastard and I wouldn't trade at all for him. I think that's going to be the longest running deal. I can't imagine it getting done anytime soon. They seem to be worlds apart, Damo. For me, I think the one that takes the longest is the Peter Laddams deal. Right. Are we confident that he's that he's leaving? Because Port, uh, we mentioned it earlier. We don't want you. All your money is due this year, but also we want something back. It sounds like there are clubs that want him and Port are willing to do the deal. But in saying that, Port also want a decent pick for him. Yeah, it's, and they want to pick this year, right? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if Hawthorne give up one of their picks in the 20s, like a 21 or a 24. Is that decent enough? I, I mean, my gut from the way Port Adelaide have been speaking is that no, that's not enough. I, I think they've actually stated they wanted a top 10 to 15 pick at one stage, which is madness for a guy you're asked telling to leave. That's what they're telling the media anyway. So you probably, so I reckon Hawks could get away with offering a pick 21 or 24, but who knows what they're going to offer. It'd be a great, it'd be a great get for Hawthorne. I'm telling any club that gets him, it's going to be a great get if they use him correctly. I think he's got uh, some really good footy attributes and will should be forward ruck eligible. So I want him to go somewhere where he's going to play. And we got, had a question from a listener. Uh, we did. We did, Damo. Travis Lubke asked, what's your top two starting players in each position? Damo, you hit me with yours. Uh, start in defense? Sure. Jordan Ridley and Jack Crisp. I like that. I like that a lot. We spoke about Jordan Ridley in Tradio episode one. We think he's going to get a slight boost from the addition of Jake Kelly. Talk to me about Crisp. To be honest, I think he could start the year as a dual position defense mid. So he could be this year's or next year's rather Rory Laird. And correct me if I'm wrong, Damo, but the bloke just doesn't miss football. He hasn't missed a game in a very long time. And his end to the year was awesome. I like it a lot. I like Ridley. I had a Ridley as well, but my other one was Jordan Dawson. And that's showing a bit of bias, but I think in Adelaide, he can take up a decent role either in defense or on a wing, provide some solid points. We saw him build and build as the year went on. Ended up, look, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but averaging over 100 over his last, I think it was like 10 games or something. I'll, I'll dig out the numbers when we do a proper deep dive into that. But Jordan Dawson, for me, is the other one. Move to the midfield. I've just gone for Jack McRae and Jack Steele. 
Yeah, I think they're solid options. I'm actually going to change what I wrote down. I wrote down Jack McRae, which is a lock. And I also wrote down Clayton Oliver. But our early talk earlier has changed him from 100% lock to a 90% lock. So the next player that I'm 100% going to lock in is, I mean, it's probably going to be Sam Walsh, let's be honest. And I think I've got, I think, Damo, 2022 is the year I don't believe in curses. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to throw away all my preconceived notions and curses and I'm going to select the players that I want to select. And if I was to lock in a third mid, it's Took Miller. Oh, that's a really, really good answer. That's a really, really good answer. Who have you locked into your ruck line, Lek? I think this is going to be a pretty stock stando answer. It's Sean Darcy and it's Brody Grundy. Max Gorn's stiff to miss out, but I just think that both of them have slightly more upside at this point in their career. And I'm completely with you there. I've gone with Sean Darcy and Brody Grundy as my locks for the ruck at this point. I say at this point because I don't know how locked in Grundy is, but I can't think of anyone else that I like in that position. So, <laughs> And worth <laughs> worth noting, so we, it might sound slightly biased, you know, because... Um, Sean Darcy was flavor, like the flavor of the month. He started dominating last year. But uh, his numbers after 62 career matches, this is what Fantasy Freako tweeted out the other day. First club BNF award for Sean Darcy. Ranking points per 100 minutes game per 100 minutes game after 62 career matches. Sean Darcy, 95 points per 100 minutes. Max Gorn at the same point in his career was 94. Brody Grundy, 87. Nick Nat, 86. And Goldstein, 78. And he's roughly the same age as Goldie and Grundy when they hit that mark. So what we're saying is he's projecting to be one of the best Ruckman in the Supercoach game. Yeah, definitely locked into my team for next season. Move to the forward line. I'm locking in Rowan Marshall, so another Ruckman. But I'm also going to lock in Zach Butters. Ooh, Zachy Butters. I think that was Kane Corn's breakout of the year projection. I can't believe I'm agreeing with Kane Corns. I can't believe it's Zach Butters. <laughs> oh, brought to you by Bald Butter. <laughs> That's why. Ah, oh, Zach Butters. Brought to you by Zach Bald Butters. Bald Zach Butters. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Uh, mine are Rowan Marshall and Cam Rayner. It's going to be very cheap. I had him as a breakout last year, obviously got injured. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Damo, I've got a couple of quick stats to throw at you before um, before we finish up the pod. And it's a longer one than I thought it was going to be. But hey, I love talking to you, Damo. It's good. It's very good. You've got a lot <laughs> of opinions and I like poking and prodding to get them out of you. All right, here's the fast stat I've got for you. This is what uh, our good man, the stats man, Azza, has sent through. So this trade period, Collingwood have traded in picks 22, 46, 58, and 79. Assuming they take these to the draft. Here's some fun facts about those draft picks. Pick 22, the highest super coach average ever taken with pick 22, is Scott Selwood. He's averaged 104 in 2012. Jordan Ridley. Averaged 102 in 2020, so he's a very high caliber and he's only going to get better. And pick 46, so these are the these are who we're hoping these rookies get to. Scott Selwood, Jordan Ridley, pick 46. Of the 202 games Ben Stratton played, 
He scored only four Supercoach tons. One of them was in the 2014 Grand Final. Jarrett Waite also taken with pick 46. His highest Supercoach score was 190. There's a little fun fact about pick 46. And finally, pick 58. Here's the fun fact that Azza has sent through. There's been two Brownlow medal winners taken with pick 58. And I know one of them. Go on. Lockie Neal. Bang. Tick, tick. The other is Dane Swan. In their respective Brownlow medal seasons, Neil had seven games above 150. How many do you think Dane Swan had? I don't know. You've got to tell me. It's five. He had five scores of 150 above. So pick 58 is a special pick. And the final one, pick 79, in the two seasons where James Hurd was available in Supercoach, his highest score came with a 167 in round 17, 2006. Supercoach fun facts from Azza. The Dockers have had some success with pick 58. Mate, pick 58's a bloody good pick. It's a bloody good pick. Do you think it's Collingwood are going to trade it or do they? Oh, they've got to cash it in, don't they, for um, for uh, father-son, Dacos. So pick 58's still up for grabs, isn't it? Someone else can get it. Someone else can definitely get it. The Dockers do love their picks in the 50s. Yeah. I don't know where Carlton's specialty is. I think it's like the rookie draft and that's about it. And then we... Screw every other draft pick. Oh, except pick one. We're good at pick one and rookie draft. Well, you did get future Brownlow medalist Jason Tut through the rookie draft. So, um... what a man! The Tut man. Geez, we've done well. Eddie Betts, I think, was a rookie draft as well. All right, Demo. We've talked enough shit. Uh, we were brought to you by Ball the Butter. It's working on me. You can't see me, people listening at home. I am bald. I did shave my head in solidarity with Sam Doherty. God, I love him. God, I hate seeing him sick. Get around the charity cause if you haven't seen it. Damo, you've been tweeting about it. You're a beautiful human for that. Oh, yeah. you, you hate. Uh, there's two players who I want to see well and playing footy again, and that is Sam Doherty and Ben Cunnington. Both have had their issues with health over the last six months or so, and uh, Sam Doherty appears to be turning the right corner, but uh, and Ben Cunnington seems to be pretty much over it now, but scary times for both of them. Yeah, scary, scary times. Look after yourself out there. Everyone listening at home, Damo, thank you for joining me as always and trying to keep me on track where you can. Have you suffered from hair loss? Have I got the product for you, Bald Butter. This new hair butter, used just like shampoo, can help you lose your hair much faster so you can avoid having those embarrassing balding spots. Bald Butter.